0: Open source craft. The world runs on open source, and we speak to the people who shape it. And I'm excited to be here today with Corey Haynes, somebody who I've known and been friends with for like ever. We've it's known each other for a long time, yeah. time through many different <laughs> conferences. Um, but Corey is a developer, author, speaker, teacher, and all around groovy guy. <laughs> pretty with nearly 20 years of software and product development, he brings a fine tuned eye to the craft of software development. He also co-created and led the evolution of the Code Retreat Workshop, which I'm really excited to talk Mm -hmm. to you about because it's a great example of creating something in the developer community, creating a community group, and then sort of allowing it to propagate. Mm -hmm. And now it's gotten to the point where it kind of runs itself. Yeah. So I'm really excited to dive into that. He also recently published the book Understanding the Four Rules of Simple Design. And he's working on something new. How's that
1: going? Exploring the Lambda calculus yeah well I've been working on it for a couple of years now so I go through spurts of being really excited about it I'm it's sort of the old I'm almost done with it yeah I know what I need to write and I've got like one section left so (laughs) I keep trying I've got it in my task list of get back and work on it
0: so very cool well where should we start I mean uh, I would curious about your so maybe we should start, should we start a code retreat? Sure. Just sort of the impetus sure.
1: for that? Yeah, yeah. Where were you when you got that thought? Um, so there were a few of us at the CodeMash conference, okay. which is this wonderful conference in Sandusky, Ohio at the Kalahari Water Resort. Mm-hmm. And it happens every year. Great um, conference I've been going since the beginning. And there were a few of us standing around in the hallway um, doing I'd say doing what developers do which is complain about software practices and (laughs) code and all of that. And it was right at sort of at the beginning of the software craftsmanship discussions Mm -hmm. and the talk about bringing technical practices back into Agile and the Agile community. And one of the things we had really hit on was the idea that developers don't practice as much. We tend to Write software for our jobs, mm-hmm. and we tend to even if we work on side projects outside of our job, it's still trying to get something done. Mm-hmm. You're always like, "Oh, I'm working on my open source project" or something like that. And so your your goal is to get things into production, but we don't do things like musicians or artists who actively uh, practice. You know, draw something, throw it away. Draw something, throw it away, mm-hmm. and so. We had the idea of what if we put together a workshop where the whole goal of it was to uh, throw things away and to not finish. Could we put constraints on that would that would actually keep you from finishing? <laughs> I totally remember
0: like maybe the first time I heard about that. Like work on this. Okay, now throw
1: it away. <laughs> I remember that from Code Street. <laughs> yeah, it was it was so like it early days we actually there were times when we had to like almost yank the keyboard out of people's hands of like, no, no, no. Sort of, if you want to play with us, you got to throw this away. <laughs> and so we had this idea, and through the combination of our different backgrounds and our ideas of the the people who originally came up with the idea, we got, an, you know, let's try it. Because nothing, you know, ideas are one thing, but you may as well just do it. Okay. And so we found a place, um, it was in Ann Arbor, Michigan, a mm-hmm. uh, company that let us have the room and just had, like, Joe Rainsberger came in for it, uh, Ron Jeffries was there, Chet Hendrickson was there, Bill I think Bill Wake showed up, and like, just a really good group of people and a good group of minds together. Mm-hmm. Um, Gary Bernhardt was living in Cleveland with me at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, not with me, but in the same city. And so he came along, and we just sort of, tried different things about what happens if you work for 20 minutes, what happens if you work for 45 minutes. And then at the end of the day, we decided to do it again and uh, had the second one in Cleveland. It was a little bit more structured because we had learned some from the first one. And then it really like, for me, it really resonated that there was something here. And so as I was traveling around, I started doing these workshops. And I had the opportunity to go over and I spoke in Romania at their Agile conference um, with uh, this guy, Alex and Maria, and they were putting it on. And I ran a code retreat there and talked to Alex and Maria about it. And when I came back to the States, I continued to run code retreats here. Alex and Maria took up the mantle and started running them in Romania and sort of trying different things. And then we, we ended up uh, getting back together at the beginning of 2010. Mm-hmm. I I went back there for, their, for the conference again, I think. Or I did it, I don't know why I went back. And uh, sort of brought the learnings, they had been trying some different things than I had.
0: Mm-hmm. And so we
1: sort of molded and that's when using their learnings, using my learnings, we sort of settled on the format. of the workshop and from then on it was fairly standard but i was traveling around speaking at conferences and stuff and i'd always try to run a code retreat and one of the things i always wanted to make sure was that i set it up so that somebody there sort of learned how to run it Mm -hmm. and made it like i was very much this is the format Mm -hmm. Um, it's really built to be successful, whether you are a super experienced developer or not, um, you can host it. You can facilitate it. So did you have a document that said, here's
0: exactly how to structure this workshop?
1: Yeah. So we put online, I kind of put a description online. Mm -hmm. Um, I think at the time it might've been like a Google doc or it might have been something. Like I had just started writing about it. Or a wiki. Or a wiki. I'm sure that I tried to put together a wiki. Um, I've, I've never been successful uh, putting together a wiki, <laughs> getting it hosted and working. Um, yeah, so we um, started doing that, put out the constraints. Mm-hmm. And one of the, one of the goals and one of the thoughts behind it was what happens if you go too far? Like we always talk about uh, gold plating your code or like I don't, you know, you tell somebody, oh, well, you should clean it up or mm-hmm. you should pull out an abstraction or, you know, keep your methods really short. Mm-hmm. And there's this fear and this pushback of like, I don't want to go too far, like like it's I don't want to gold plate my code because then like there's I'm very pragmatic, say. Um, So the idea is, what if you allow yourself to go too far? Like, you can't know what that boundary is until you've passed it. And so we would do things like two-line methods. Like You only get two lines. (laughs) Because if short's good, what happens (laughs) if you make it two? And Mm -hmm. not to say that this is how you should code in production, Mm -hmm. but... Having had that experience, you can then come back and go, wow, that was actually not that hard to do. So maybe I could do five lines.
0: Right. Um, you don't know that
1: you've over-engineered something until you've over-engineered exactly, it. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and I'll tell you, I have over-engineered the crap out of a lot of code bases. So um, I have, <laughs>
0: I've got a decent sense for it. Oh my gosh. Um, I always tell the story about in code school, when we built it, we needed a billing system. And at the time, there wasn't Recurly, There wasn't mm-hmm. the services out there. So we were like, well, this will probably be the first product that we build out of many products. So let's build a multi-tenant <laughs> si- b- billing yes. system. You know how many tenants our multi-tenant billing system had? Yeah, Like one, one. forever. <laughs> yep.
1: Oh, my God. Yeah, my first um, startup that I did, um, we, it was me and, and Sarah. And we built this wonderful code base. We're both developers. We're both fairly experienced developers. And the code base is beautiful still to this day, one of my favorite code bases that um, I've worked on. The problem with building a beautifully, uh, um, a code base that is so easy to change is that you tend to change it. And you tend to add features like it, it just accepted features. It just (laughs) asked you to add features to it. And so we kept doing that and kept adding little things. And though the, the benefit of it came when we decided to sort of shut down the idea of making it a business and just made everything free Mm -hmm. and our entire authorization system that was based on your subscription boiled down to changing one line that returned free mode or free level or nice. or or master level, or whatever it was <laughs> called, and then everybody suddenly had all access, so the it all came, and we got the benefit out of it when we shut down <laughs> <laughs> okay. but it's still running, which is <laughs> which is great um, I think it was two thousand eleven when it, I remember it was it was in around August, and I had this idea. I was like, what if you had a bunch of cities mm-hmm. around the world do code retreat on the same day, and they could Skype together. I mean, imagine if you had like twenty mm-hmm. cities, yeah. and because we already had a good following and a good set of uh, groups and facilitators in Europe, we had some in um, Japan. I think wow. we had some in Australia, and so I was like, we could do this, and so I. I put up a blog post and was just like, uh, I think it was December 8th or something like that. I was like, December 8th, Global Day of Code Retreat. It's gonna have 20 cities, we're gonna do this, it's gonna be great. Um, and, in, and in my usual way, I didn't really organize much. <laughs> I just sort of like sent it out there and started gathering up. I got a spreadsheet and, and um, I, I put together a small little, uh, little app that let people keep track of what they were running. Like session one start, session one end. And so you then had a page which had the list of all the cities and where they were at.
0: Oh my god. And gosh. so when
1: they were done, so the cities would sort of slowly move down the page until they were done. That's cool. It was really neat, you know, simple Rails app. It's yeah. you know, it was it was crud. So it's exactly what at the especially at the time Rails was just perfect for. Uh-huh. And in the end, in that year, we we had, I believe, I believe it was 91 cities mm. had just sort of bounced up, and it was great. And what I did was, I, I sort of did it as a, I um. thought that it would get more uh, press around it, is that I flew to uh, Sydney uh-huh. and I ran the first code retreat of the day. Okay, and then I caught a <laughs> 6 p.m. flight and I think I remember landed in Honolulu and at 6.45 a.m. the same day and ran the last code retreat of the day. And it was wonderful. It was great because over the day, you could see people, you know, the cities finish. There were Skype calls back and forth. So as Europe was kind of closing out, they would Skype in with uh, places in the States that were just beginning. Mm. And it was, you know, a way of bringing all of the different, uh, regions together, wow. and that was sort of the first global day. And I think we ended up with probably about sixteen or seventeen hundred developers all participating because it's usually around ten, twenty, thirty people in a in a code retreat. So it, it was just it was just this wonderful event. And so the next year, people started asking, "When is the next, the next one? one?" And I was still traveling around doing these, training people. And and wait, hold on, mm-hmm. before you go, on. okay. For people who are not familiar, like how much does it cost for
0: one person to attend the code retreat? It's free. Yeah, um, it, it really serves a need. I mean, because you've got meetup groups, which you know typically you go and presentations or whatnot, and then maybe you have workshops where you're learning and you're just copying the code down or you're trying to figure it out. But where is the practice? Yeah. Where is the workshops where we take that problem together, solve it together, go through all the steps and Look at different ways we could solve the same problem.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then seeing, like solving it in Ruby, for example, is is a little bit different than solving it in Java. One of my goals now is I'm waiting for the day when somebody invites me to a code retreat oh. and asks if I've ever heard of it. <laughs> um, heard. Because I've sort of stepped out of the whole thing. Uh-huh. Yeah, so yeah, around around that time, some sort of what I consider kind of the second generation of facilitators were starting to rise up and sort of this that's when you start a community or when you built or see a community build up you tend to then get a, another generation of people coming in who are leaders and taking it forward and moving it forward and um, I, I think I, I sort of organized the 2012 global day and then 2013 Global Day, I kind of was or helping organize, but other people had taken on. And then it was probably 2014 when I just didn't do anything. Like I just, I had stepped out because I had got a job and had sort of moved back into mm-hmm. um, work and didn't, wasn't traveling and everything. And I just sort of stopped, but it just kept going. And, oh. and these, you know, the second generation of people were running it and they mm-hmm. were doing. And the, the beauty of it is, is because I'm not that organized, the, it needed people who were incredibly passionate about the organizational aspects of it, too. And so the, 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 the subsequent generations started, you know, putting together a beautiful website around it, started um, having training calls. So leading up to the big event they have, you know, Google Hangouts where people can come in and ask questions about facilitating. And, wow. um, and it's just, it's amazing to see the community that's sort of built up around it. Uh, How's that feel? Oh, it's wonderful. Like it's, it's, <laughs> there's two things I'm really proud of. One is that it's still going and that yeah. people are getting, still getting value out of it. Yeah. And the second is that I was able to just stop Doing it, uh-huh. and I like to say I disappeared and nobody noticed. Like it was my goal was to make it so that I wasn't essential. Uh-huh. And when I sort of stepped back, it proved I wasn't essential to it, because it just kept going. Mm-hmm. People run it all the time. People I don't know. Yeah.
0: Um, well, the whole idea of being a craftsman. I love that when that started to bubble up in the community. Of just you know what we do is a craft, and you have to work at it, and you have to practice at it. Um, and I think code retreat is a great example of one way to polish your craft and get better at your craft. And maybe this is a good segue to this book, understanding mm-hmm. the four rules
1: of simple design. Tell us about that, or what what problem does that book solve? So um, the four rules are sim- of simple design are a. Set of rules that Kent Beck codified in the late '90s. People kept asking him, "What is simple design? What is you know? How do you code?" And so he he just laid these out. So it was you know all your tests pass. Mm-hmm. Um, your code there's reveals intent, mm-hmm. which is you know good names, um, no duplication, which is a very subtle one about duplication of uh, duplication of knowledge. Uh, the The pragmatic programmers in their book um, they're the ones who coin the whole dry
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, but it's don't really repeat don't repeat yourself, but it's really about having one and only one place for a piece of knowledge to live in your system so it 's not this code looks the same i 'm going to extract it uh-huh. it's the you know the knowledge around mm-hmm. parts of your system um, so for example, I have mentioned in my uh, In the Mercury app, the startup that we did, and the code base that we built, we were very, very good about this sort of having one place for knowledge. And what that meant is that there was one place in the system that managed whether or not your subscription had access to something Mm -hmm. and what your subscription was. So when the time came to sort of give everybody the same, Mm -hmm. we could go to that one spot.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And instead of taking your user and looking at the subscription and returning you a new authorization uh, object. We just always return the top-level authorization object. And so it allows you to change very easily. And, and then the fourth is small, not having extraneous parts. <laughs> but the book, the four rules, so what it does is it captures and encapsulates a lot of the examples and lessons from code retreats and from... The things I would explain during code retreats, they're in this book. And so they're very, they're small. It's a short book. Um, Total, I think it's like 84 pages. There's about 40 pages of concrete examples. And they're all half a page to a page and a half long examples of probably the most nitpicky design discussions you can think about like the, how the test name uh-huh. influences the code that's written in the test. Oh, I've got to check this and out. And if, you, like if your test says that um, my object starts empty, uh-huh. don't, your test code should not put an expectation on like dot length equals zero because your test code is saying that it is empty. Uh-huh. So that should influence us. So that says that you probably need an empty method. Mm. And so if, if it's worth writing it in the description, mm-hmm. there's probably a reason that the API needs it. And mm. so it's, it's these sorts of incredibly nitpicky wow. things around it. Because during code retreats, because we were never working to finish it, and the intent was to say, like, if you write one line of code during mm. the 45 minutes, And it's the right line of code then you then you got it it was worthwhile and so pay attention and spend all of your time nitpicking on your your code because when else can you do that you don't get to do that at work okay i want
0: to rewind a little bit so before code retreat um this whole i remember hearing about you and seeing some maybe some video that you produced that was just all about um traveling around and pairing Mm -hmm. with people and so i was like this wait this guy's just he's just traveling like he wants to just pair with people all over and he's just driving from city to city pairing with what what was
1: the impetus for that so the original idea so in in it was around it was 2008 when i started doing that but the original idea was that i knew <clears throat> a lot of friends who were either remote workers or consultants mm-hmm. and they spent a lot of time working by themselves Mm. and one of the things that they, I would hear them complain about is not having somebody to pair with and I thought man what if you had somebody who just kind of went and paired with you mm-hmm. on whatever you were working on and it would be a like well, seems like it would be a fun thing and so I had in 2008 I um, lost the job that I had I was living in Cleveland lost yeah. the job I had um, split up with my girlfriend at the time and found myself with like no nothing to do and so I started trying to organize a little trip okay so it was in the I was trying to organize it in December of 2008 which is a horrible time to drive around <laughs> um, Cleveland, Chicago and sort of the, the oh. Great Lakes area but I was like I'll right, get in my car do it and um I was struggling to find people who, like, it was around Christmas time, like, it was the beginning of December, but it's holidays, and and, and it was a little bit difficult to find people to do. And then I was at uh, RubyConf okay. in Orlando that year, uh, which was a lot of fun, and I saw David Chalimsky sitting, and I've known David for, since, I met him in 2004, mm-hmm. and I've always, know, really enjoy, whenever I've seen him at conferences, we always end up pairing and like the first Ruby code I ever wrote was actually pairing with him on RSpec nice. um, back probably 2006 or so. And so I saw him and I sat down and he was pairing, he was working, he was coding of course, so I sat and paired and then I told him about this idea and he was all like, well, come to my place. he's lived here in Chicago and I set up the I was going to go out to his place for a few days and when it actually had him set up and then somebody like three weeks later to pair with, to go um, spend mm-hmm. time with them. And then once it sort of became real and it, you know, he started mentioning it to people, I started mentioning that I was going to Chicago, then um, a couple other people in the area we're like, hey, if you're coming to Chicago, come spend a day or two with me. But well, how are you surviving, yeah. by the way? Um, so I had saved up some money. Okay. Um, I really like early in my career. I I forget who said this, but there the idea of periodically taking a retirement mm-hmm. and just save up some money and just take a couple months off. Mm-hmm. You know, I had saved up. I had I had a small. A little bit of money not much like it was it was me I think it was like $2,400 or something And I was like okay I'm just gonna not work for a while I'm you know we are very very uh, lucky as software developers that we don't have to worry like for the most part you can find a job if the market is not really bad mm-hmm. so I wasn't worried about that and I was like ah, I can just take a couple months and you know, I do it. I spent, I think, November. Um, you know, I spent watching. Uh, what was it, Babylon Five? <laughs> I made my way through Babylon Five. Netflix had was still sending discs out. Yeah, and I had the system set up where the discs would come in the morning. I could. Rip them onto my media center and get them back into the mail by the afternoon. And so I just had this (laughs) constant flow. So I sat around my house with my cat watching Babylon Five. Okay. And then I then I started doing this. And so, you know, like Brian Merrick contacted me and he was like, "I'm in Champaign, oh Illinois. Why don't you come down? I'm working. He was working on um, a book. He's like, why don't you come down and?" with me on some of the code for this book. So I went down and spent some time with him. Um, and when I was leaving, I was actually on the road driving from Cleveland to Chicago. And I thought, I should do video interviews with people. Mm-hmm. And so I stopped at a Best Buy and bought, um, do you remember those flip cameras that had yep. the, the one button? And yeah. you could do all this. So I bought one of those, uh-huh. um, learned that I needed a tripod uh-huh. <laughs> and after trying to set that up on a thing and so I was just doing interviews with uh, the people that I would pair with mm-hmm. and after that initial December, it just filled out once I um, uh, got started people heard about it I started tweeting about it because I tweet about everything yeah so it was really the it was really about going and pairing with somebody for anywhere from a day to probably a week was the most I would um, be at a place, and I it didn't care. I didn't care who. Always worked on what they were working on, whatever they wanted to do, and it was just. What'd you learn from that? Come in. Um, one, there were a couple things that I really got out of it. One of them was I got a really good sense of where I'm at. <laughs> like we, as developers, we, you know, just as people, it's hard to know. Like, how good are you? Uh-huh. and not from like are you amazing but just like really like how good are you and so i got this sense of like okay i'm about here like mm-hmm. i i um paired with somebody who was building a uh, a ruby bytecode interpreter in action script oh my gosh and i just basically hung by my fingernails while he was i i pointed out a couple typos which is i think uh at, clearly a wonderful contribution Um, (laughs) and but then I would pair with people who were just learning Uh and I would it would be more of a teaching kind of thing and I would one of the great things about it was that I would learn something and then I would take that to the next place and I would then be showing it to the next place Uh and so you know you learn something and if you're immediately teaching it Mm -hmm. then it solidifies it in your head. And so I really just sort of, the biggest thing for me was settling in on um, just sort of a a comfort with my skills. Mm -hmm. And, you know, not, like it doesn't matter that you are great or not great. Or super experienced or not super experienced just being comfortable like this is the level i'm at
0: so i've got a quote Mm -hmm. here um, about you okay from jennifer your co-founder okay Um, oh she said uh corey is an incredible strategic thinker who is an expert at figuring out an intended goal and working backward to reach it he has a way of being able to break down tasks into manageable pieces and systematize guessing his propensity for being able to think this way is part of what makes him such a brilliant programmer. Oh. I'd like to thank him for his ability to jump into the unknown with two feet and make big things happen. <laughs> she says, I feel very lucky to be co-founders with you. Oh, that's so sweet. That's wonderful. Yeah, we have a... So it's Her, Her, Herkin? Harkin. 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 Not Hirkin, Not Hirkin. It's spelled Harkin. That's where we're here. So we're yeah. here in Chicago right now. At the here, Harkin. I want to say like Harkin back to something. Okay,
1: and what does Harkin do? So we um, we work with news organizations and media organizations around the world to help effectively bring the audience into the editorial room
0: mm-hmm. and
1: give them a say and more influence on the reporting process, all the way from what should be reported on okay. to the actual through the reporting phase itself
0: oh, interesting. and
1: open up um, really emphasize transparency mm-hmm. uh, trust and the idea being this is jen's been working on this for many years she's a journalist and it's really about saying what would happen if you instead of having a room of a couple people trying to figure out what the news is, Mm -hmm. what if you actually did what we call people-powered, a public-powered journalism, where you you augment the normal journalistic process where it's, you know, oh, there was a fire, we have to report on the fire, Mm -hmm. and you really tap into your audience and say, what is it that you want us to look at while still maintaining the integrity and the expertise of the reporters and the journalists that kind of sounds like open-source journalism it does it does it's it's bringing them in having a sort of a gatekeeper mm-hmm. but you know bringing in um, other people's contributions and, and the tool that we're finishing up now is called the open notebook and it's where during the reporting process itself
0: mm-hmm.
1: journalists can reach out to their subscribers and say, hey, I'm currently looking at this part of the story. Does anybody have any uh, input? Wow. Um, as well as sharing interesting stories, sharing what the reporting process looks like. Mm-hmm. Um, and se- it, it's really about setting up a, a bi directional communication stream
0: mm-hmm. with
1: your audience. Oh, that's fascinating. Uh,
0: so I'd be curious what, what advice would you give somebody? early on in their career, who is just trying to figure out how good they are Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, wants to, you know, they've graduated with a degree. They don't have any real-world experience. Mm -hmm. Um, What would you recommend they do?
1: Um, I was just talking last week to some students (laughs) who were in that position, and my advice to them was build. Okay. Just don't worry about being great or don't worry about being good Um, build everything it doesn't matter don't worry about whether it's useful Mm -hmm. to anybody but you Um, don't worry about whether or not you're gonna put it up and it's gonna be a business or it's a product or anything like that just build code write code write code write code and find people to write code with Mm. so go to um, don't just go to meetups that are presentation focused Mm -hmm. but go to meetups that are coding focused so here in Chicago our Elm uh, meetup is we don't have presentations it's just get together and code and you have a lot of people and beginners and experienced people and everyone just sort of codes and you you can chat and ask questions but find people who want to build stuff and just build Mm -hmm. because early in your career you don't have a lot of experience and the way to get that experience is to um, Build things that are, you know, write horrible code, <laughs> um, write beautiful code, write code that gets the job done, uh-huh. um, and just if you have an idea, write it. Because when you think about it, we wake up in the morning, I like to say this, that we wake up in the morning, and at the end of the day, yeah. there is something there that was not there before. It's this incredibly creative endeavor. And... Just like like I learned how to um, in 2014, I took a few months off before I uh, met Jen and started Harkin, and I started taking painting classes. And it was practice, practice, practice. It was draw and sketch horrible things. Like I am not, I not, I don't have the skills, mm-hmm. and so I just I would sit around and I would just sketch things, mm-hmm. and. Over time, it got like my final sort of big project was I painted um, uh, my cat who had recently passed at the time. And so I painted her and we have it hanging up. I I really think it's a great uh, a great uh, painting. But it was it was like I drew trash cans. (laughs) I drew um, I was traveling out to San Francisco for work and I would draw the corner, the like corner of the ceiling at the place, and I would just draw. And that's what I tell people who are just coming into software is, yeah, don't worry about learning all of the technologies. Don't worry about, oh, I need to know Angular or I need to know React or anything like that. Just build stuff. And it doesn't, like, build stuff with raw JavaScript, build stuff with Ruby, build stuff with Clojure, build stuff with React, build, like, and don't think you have to know it. Mm -hmm. Um, There's such a push, there's such a, a, I think, I don't know if it's always external, but definitely internal, this feeling of like, I've got to make sure it's good. Mm -hmm. And I think if you talk to anybody who's been doing this for a significant amount of time, they'll have stories about the horrible code they wrote, but the horrible code they wrote that runs businesses. (laughs) <laughs> and, like, I remember things that I wrote that I wouldn't write now,
0: mm-hmm.
1: but got the job done. And, and I wish that I had written it better, but I didn't. But knowing, being able to look back on it and go, wow, that is not the way to do this,
0: mm-hmm. means
1: that I now have experience in how to do it what right. Or at least, let mm-hmm. me rephrase that, how to do it better. <laughs> um, I don't think there's ever there's no right, right but um, you know how to do it better and you, you get that from writing bad things mm. and the more you write code uh, the more you can uh, learn what those are
0: that's probably a good place to wrap it up Yeah, appreciate awesome. you taking the time sure. to Thanks. talk today it's really fascinating to hear about your journey and about community and i think that's some really great advice is just do it as much as you can Mm -hmm. and you're probably not going to like it at first it's probably going to feel ugly yeah but it's the only way to get better
1: yeah thanks for being on the show awesome well thank you so much